0: I, I hate you! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery. And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. We're on a mission from God. Entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Maybe we should chug on over to mamby-pamby land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell, high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history, this is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And here we are coming to you live from our top-secret broadcasting compound here at 1233 American Legion Drive, Festus, Missouri. This is the talk show Hell Hates, and the more you listen, the more you know why. Good to be with you today. Um, I I was just looking at that um, background that I use for this week's Watchmen broadcast, and uh, I like it. I mean, it's not all the news monitors and everything like that, but I mean, it's a nice, nice set, uh, nice background for a studio set. And, um, I saw that, uh, when we were at, uh, the MUFON conference. They had it in the, uh, North Kentucky Convention Center in, Covington, Kentucky and just right across the Ohio River is Cincinnati, Ohio, you know, where Barry Bonds hit all those home runs out into the river and the people out there in their kayaks and boats and everything like that. They were getting them. Um, that's that's what it's next to. But anyway, um, I just put my camera down and uh, I got me about five or six minutes of video there and uh, made a background out of it. And I'm thinking I like it so much, uh, I knew I was going to use it as a background for the MUFON videos. This month in September, uh, I'm doing <clears throat> three or four uh, videos uh, of the things that I heard and saw at MUFON this year. And uh, Southwest Radio is going to be promoting them uh, starting the 1st of October. So I got to get them done. Uh, but I really like that background so well that I may just continue to use it throughout the year. If you like it, uh, why don't you go on my YouTube channel and, uh, click on the video, give it a good watch if you haven't watched it yet and write something in the comments about whether or not you like the background or not. All right. And, uh, of course, I will be honest with you. I, there is a, uh, there's a double need for me to try to get you to go to YouTube, to click on it, to watch it, to like it, to comment on it. Because the more likes and the more comments that the video gets, the more likely YouTube is to um, um, to promote it to people who are looking for similar subject matter. And uh, so it basically just helps us reach the people that we want to reach with our videos so anyway if you would go on there like subscribe uh, get notified um, you don't have to join uh, some uh, pay scheme in order to watch exclusive content only available for those who give a thousand dollars or more each month i don't do that never 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 did never and will not i don't want to so, all right, uh, but anyway, the, the video, the first video is up there, I'm working on the script for the second video, and uh, it is, things are just falling right in place. The, the speakers themselves make it, um, they make it easy for me to, uh, to <laughs> they make it easy for me to talk bad about them, okay, that's what they do. So, uh, while I'm, while I'll be talking bad about these various speakers and a certain, a certain, uh, pastor's wife, um, you'll just have to wait and wait and see what that's going to be. Uh, but it's, it's going to be there. Um, so while you're waiting to see what I have to say about uh, such and such pastor's wife that is going to remain confidential. I'm not going to give out her name. I'm not going to tell her husband's name. Um, I will say that they were a Southern Baptist. Well, that really narrows it down, doesn't it? There's only like 10 million Southern Baptists in the country, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, beyond, I just told her, I, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I, I'm not going to make it personal between you and I, the things that I say about what you believe. I'm going to target what you believe, not who you are, not the kind of person I think you are. Uh, So therefore, you know, we'll just leave, we'll just leave the personalities out of it. It's not me attacking you. I'm attacking what you say. Now, if you stand by what you say, then I guess the attack would be on you uh, by way of that. But Besides that, I'm just going to go after what she believes and what she says. And there's there's plenty there for that one, too. Um, I tell you what I want to do. We got into a conversation. Where is? Yeah, there it is. We got into a conversation Sunday afternoon. And part of this was about the the pastor's wife that I had an encounter with um during during the MUFON symposium because I could tell that she was getting really, really uh antagonistic toward the word of God. Um I, let me just say it like this. I had my I had my phone in my hand And I was going to open up my Bible app. It's a, the Takarta app. They've changed it. They've gone to a subscription base and I don't like it, but oh well. So anyway, I was going to go to my, go to the scriptures because of the experience that she said she had having what's called a near-death experience, which I don't believe in. Um, I believe it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Um, But anyway, she had what she referred to as a near-death experience and woke up Not in a tunnel of light, you know, being flying toward the light where she will meet Jesus and God and the apostles and all the saints of old and angels cheering her into heaven. She didn't go there. She went to a place called the void. It was completely and totally black. It was, uh, well, basically how Job four, no, it's Job four, how Job ten described hell or described the shadow of death and um, is almost to the letter. She even said on the back of her book that she wrote, she's sort of telling what the book's about. She even said that this place was a place of outer darkness. And I'm going... Dodge, you should figure something out here, outer darkness. And so I was just going to read to her what it was that she said she experienced to let her know, yes, there is a Bible answer to what you experience, and it's not good. And so I finally pulled the verses up. She's talking to me. I'm talking to her. And I finally pulled the verse up and I'm holding my phone. Hold my phone like this. I have the scriptures up there and she all of a sudden looks at it and she went, what? Are you recording me? And I went, no. But with the introduction of scripture, she got, um, a little bit more antagonistic. And so I started backing away, and I said, Ma'am, there's probably a lot of more things I would say to you, but I won't do them uh, without your husband being here because he's your head. You might want to take a guess at how she reacted to that one. Okay? Because it wasn't good. And um, so I begged her to leave, wished her a good day, and walked away now I sat down at our booth at our table and I'm going a guy's gonna come stomping in here any second now and he's gonna want to fight me pretty sure how this is gonna go down and uh, no that never happened didn't happen that day didn't happen after that and she was still there so I'm like okay whatever Um uh, but anyway, what, what really got me going with what she did was, is when I said that I believed that her husband was her head. Now, she went, oh, really? Wow. Like that. And it was obvious that she didn't believe what the scriptures plainly teach she didn't believe it she didn't believe obviously that um, the woman was the first to be deceived satan knowingly and wittingly went to the right person to deceive in the garden went to the weaker vessel and it and it worked. He got what he wanted accomplished. Uh, we can't say what would have happened had he gone to Adam. Would he have changed his tactics? I don't know. But the bottom line is, he went to Eve with uh, his tactics, and and he got what he wanted out of it. Um. So the, it it kind of made me think about what how, how could I prove to someone in in the world that we live in right now where out in the lost world the roles of husband and wife have become so diluted they've become um so corrupt watered down really of no use whatsoever because uh, there hardly is a, a godly Christian married couple who practices in everyday life the principles of how God blesses a man and a woman by, by them fulfilling the roles that they are supposed to fulfill. Let me just, um, Tell you what I'll do. Let me just put some verse of scripture up on the screen here. And we'll do, uh, probably the best one would be Ephesians, uh, chapter five. Um, is that it? No. No, yeah, that is, that's it. Ephesians chapter five. Let's swoop on over there. Um, it says here, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So if you would, if, ladies, if you would, if you, if you would follow Christ, you have to submit to Christ. You understand that? Okay. So the Bible then is saying to you, in the same way you would submit yourself to Christ, Submit yourself to your husband. Now, let me, let me say this. Um, if Christ, if Christ, um, if Christ beat you viciously, if Christ, um, brought home a sexually transmitted disease if Christ and I, I know none of these are valid, but if Christ violated the marital vows of which he promised, he swore he would do um, then you know what what should what should the woman or the church do? now Christ isn't done that hasn't done that is not going to do that so but there are situations where i know i know of one right now a a marriage that um is about to be over with legally because the husband is a pedophile and has molested daughter and stepdaughter in that in that case i just don't see that the woman has any other choice but to remove those children from that man's ability to get to them and initiate what she needs to do to protect those children. That's the world that we live in. Now, I believe... That in Moses' day, this would not be an option. Because in Moses' day, they would stone that guy to death. After giving him a time to repent. So anyway, but under normal circumstances, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, I want you to remember that. The church is subject to Christ, not the other way around. He is the Savior of the body. Uh, As the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it the man has a very very big responsibility on his shoulders he is to love his wife and not ever be bitter against her that's hard to do it's hard to live 20 30 years with the same woman and you know still be together still stay together but the roles, and, and to, to continue to love each other. In some cases, the same as, but in the best cases, more than they ever did before. So that it gets to the point to where the husband needs the wife, and the wife needs the husband. And taking one of those away in death... Um, it's very, very painful for the one who's left behind. But that, that's how Christ, that's how God instituted it. Was that it's not up to a coin toss. It's not who can bark the loudest. It is, uh, it is up to God to choose. Who is the stronger vessel and who is the weaker vessel? In this case, he's chose the men being the stronger vessel. He chose the women as the weaker vessel. Satan knows this. That's why he went to Eve first. And um, so anyway, but the idea is, is that the husband is in charge. But is he um, like a lone wolf dictator? If his poor wife is trying to get... You know, get across an idea to him that you know would make him look better, make his kingdom look better. Uh, the people would adore him, and yet he's he's following a course where he's going to lose a bunch of people that they're going to people are going to hate their guts. You know, like um, like Esther did with uh, King Ahasuerus. She she inserted herself into the king's life, which could have got her killed. But she said, uh, my lord, and he said, uh, what, what have you got to say, my honey? And she said, um, you know, when Haman goes around and kills all the Jews, he's going to kill me first because I'm a Jew. Well, Ahasuerus went into a rage. And he said, I'm not going to have that. It was one of those cases where, watch this now, the woman saved the husband. Saved him. Had Esther not said anything or had not uh, Ahasuerus uh, asked her of anything, then I'm certain that the kingdom and all of his glory would have been lost because when he killed every last Jew, God would have certainly destroyed that king and his kingdom. It's just a guess on my part. Um, You know, remembering that the wife is the weaker vessel. Now, when God made the woman, God did it. Uh, with, let's see here, with this in mind, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. It's not help meat. It is an help meet for him. The word meet has to do with the word measure or meter. In other words, the woman is going to be a measured aid to the man. The kind of, and if he needs a lot of aid, then God can certainly bless that woman to give that husband a lot of aid, a lot of help. Because after all, ladies, you know us guys. We're not the brightest bulb on the UFO. Okay? We're not. And so it takes sometimes a woman to look at something and say, well, I can see some of your problems right here. Okay? And thus help us. Two eyes are better than one. The whole uh free software, free operating system world of Linux. Also with Google, because Google basically got the Linux operating uh, system and fine-tuned it to their own needs and so on. But Linus Torvalds is the man who is accredited with inventing Linux as an operating system And he put the call out to programmers all over the world to help him out, you know, to finish this first main part of the Linux operating system. And he said, as far as, uh, you know, getting the bugs out of some software, of some code, he said, a thousand eyes are better than two eyes. If we got a thousand eyes looking at this code, surely, very quickly, some of them are going to pick out what's wrong with it. Without even running it, they're going to look at it and say, well, this won't work. This this is all wrong. And so now, to the topic du jour. Because we were talking about this Sunday after church. And uh, I I was watching uh, Saturday a... Um, a little documentary on YouTube where they had a guy that was having these really, really bad grand mal seizures. And they were, they were just debilitating. And so they tried an experimental treatment on him. This is back in the 80s. They tried this experimental treatment on him. Where, okay, let's say that this is the right half of your brain. Over here would be the left half of your brain, but, you know, we can't, we're seeing right through it right now to the right half of your brain. Right here in the middle is a, uh, it's like a, um. It's like a transfer station for a train. That's what I'm trying to think of. It's called the corpus callosum. And what it does is the right brain and the left brain can operate as separate entities. It's almost like you're dealing with two brains here. Almost like that. Um, but anyway, the, the right brain is the weaker part. The right part of my brain, uh, deals with art, symbols, um, uh, abstract ideas instead of, um, uh, I don't know what the opposite of abstract is. Objective ideas, uh, where we're basing our decisions upon what is written, you know, plain rules, guidelines, so on. Where the right side of my brain would say, "Oh, forget the rules, let's have fun," okay? When I want to write a song, the create the creativity of my mind rests primarily in the right hand right side of my brain now the ability to write notes down on a on a music staff paper and write all the notes down to a particular melody or a harmony or some kind of uh, orchestral piece or whatever that i'm writing i i'm using the left side of my brain to write down all of those notes and all the dots they get and whether it's going to be forte mezzo forte you know piano mezzo piano and piano or you know any number of things and then my my right brain is coming up with the chord sequences oh that's going to sound good oh that's going to be lovely oh my goodness so right now in my brain the corpus callosum is the bridge between the two halves. Let me, let me quote it to you like this. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And so, as we're thinking through this life that we have, We don't pay much attention to our thoughts while we're thinking them because then it's our thoughts that took over and not what we're thinking of. But it is possible to think of yourself and the processes by which you you think things and it's almost like you can know the time when the right brain is talking to the left brain. Because the right brain um again it wants to uh make up stories it's intuitive it it's it deals with a lot with feelings and emotions and artwork and so on whereas the left brain is logical it's yes or no and so on it's the one that's going to keep the rules everybody's going to obey the rules the rules are the rules okay now the corpus callosum uh connects the two, and, and allows communication between them. So whatever the right brain has come up with, while the ref, left brain is reading the syntax and the grammar on the page, then the right brain has drawn a picture of what that looks like, and you put it together with your knowledge, and it gives the whole, then, of the brain a, a better idea and a better understanding of what that particular page of that doctrine looks like. Does that make sense to everybody? and and let me say this when it comes to the two halves of my brain the left side of my brain must be the dominant one at all times except sleep the left brain where which think of the left brain as the masculine think of the right brain as the as the feminine my right brain thinks like us guys do if we were to decorate a house and paint it any color we want the walls would go white inside ceilings would be white we would get dark carpet dark furniture and uh, all of our deer heads hanging on the walls and things like that. And uh, but it takes a woman to come in and say, "Oh, this won't do," and she's going to paint colors, and um, she's going to get curtains that are have little paisley swirls in them or flowers, and she's going to decorate the house differently, especially the bathroom. Decorate it more than you will, and so on. I mean, that's just one of the differences between us. And when it comes to an important decision, I've learned, for the most part, to listen to my wife. To at least hear her out. And she likes that. She likes it when I listen to her. Now, she knows that I'm going to make a decision, and if I don't agree with her right then, I may agree with her by the next day. Never know. But she's going to tell me what she thinks. She's going to leave it there, and I'm going to take it before the Lord and say, God, show me what's right. And it's, that process has never gone wrong, ever. So, same with it in your brain. The right brain is where the music is. It's where the art is. It's where the fantasy is. The, we, uh, the, the right brain has a, an ability to sort of peer into the future by way of imagination. Okay. So, When we're reading prophecy from the Bible, then, um, you know, it's our right brain that sort of draws the pictures of what it is that we see in the scriptures, a beast with seven heads coming up out of the sea and so on. And those, and those things help us with our overall understanding of what the Bible's saying. So the, there was a, there was a man back in the eighties who was having very very severe grand uh mal seizures I think is what it was just but just real bad seizures and there was this experimental procedure that he went along with that um they were going to take and they were going to separate the, the connections that the corpus callosum had made with the two hemispheres of the brain so they they severed that they cut those connections and as far as his seizures concern it it worked he was not having near the violent horrible seizures that he had okay but it was interesting because they years later they did some experiments with him because you know you don't grow back the connections in your brain he just he was still that way. And um I don't remember exactly what they what they did but they would put up like a a picture of a stop sign and his left brain would Write out what that sign meant. This is a stop sign. It tells us to stop at this intersection and, and to avoid oncoming traffic or something like that. That's what his left brain would come up with. His right brain could only draw some symbols and shapes and things like that. It was just weird the way, the way it worked out. But anyway, so. Let's talk about this brain that we have. It's a beautiful, beautiful, advanced piece of machinery. We have the cerebrum, which is right here. It's in the forefront of our mind. And it's it's funny... But in many cases, if you stop and think about it, you can almost feel what part of your brain is being used for various things. In other words, the cerebrum, the The (laughs) cerebrum, the cerebrum deals with decisions. And sometimes when we are kind of pushed up against the wall and somebody says, look, I need you to make a decision now. Almost, almost without fail, we'll go and rub this part of our skull and go, uh, I tell you what, what I think it is like we're trying to motivate the brain by giving it a massage or something like that. Okay. Those are made right here on the front of your brain, cerebrum. Then you have the cerebellum, which in part deals with motor functions. When I need to move my hands, my arms, my legs, it doesn't need to go all the way from my brain to say, Come on, Mike, make a decision now about whether you're going to get up out of bed or not. Okay? My motor functions are going to be controlled by the cerebellum. And uh, then it relays messages to and from what? The body. Now, think of this part here, the cerebrum you know what let me get a let me get a pin here. Think of this part here as I hate riding with a mouse as the most hig high as the most high part. It's going to choose, okay? It's going to make a decision. And it's going to make your decisions for you today. You don't want the cerebellum making those decisions. You want the cerebrum to make them because they also make moral decisions for us. This The cerebellum is is going to tell your arms and legs what to do and where to go. The cerebrum is going to tell the cerebellum, uh, hold off. We're not, uh, don't get the legs and feet into, into gear just yet because we're not sure we're going in there. So the cerebrum makes these moral choices that we have. Uh, and then you have the brainstem, which, um, has been called the, um, what is it called? the the um, the serpent brain. It's been called the serpent brain. It, they say it is the it is the most basic part of our working brain system. That serpent brain, that all it knows is how to move the arms and the legs and when to move the arms and the legs. That's all it knows. It's a very, very base thing. It doesn't have the morality that our cerebrum has and so on, which is why God gave us a cerebrum, and he gave us a, a, what they call a reptilian uh, or reptoid brain, which is that very, very basic brain stem That goes from the gray matter of your brain down into your body and reacts in certain ways. Okay? No morality to it. It doesn't have a right and wrong. It just goes and does. Okay. Now, first John 5 7. And I like this. Three parts. The cerebrum is on this side and this side. And the cerebellum down here. Cerebellum, you might say, is Christ who controls the body. There are three that bear record in heaven the Father, and by the way, the neck, from the neck up, is heaven. All right? from here down is earth from um, the area of our lower backbone, our coccyx, um, and the things that are down there, that would be considered hell. Certainly smells like it, okay? So anyway, there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. All of this makes up one brain, one collective, so that my body moves in concert with itself. I, I, I admit I have a problem. Some of you are going, "Oh, Pastor Mike, you've got way too many problems. You got lots of them." One of my problems is I don't understand dance i don't understand dancing i I just don't i don't get it i don't i don't see the joy of going out on a floor and doing this for 30 minutes i i just i don't get it i watch people dance and it looks interesting okay um I like to watch the figure skaters in the Winter Olympics, okay? But I just don't, I don't, I don't feel like getting out and making my body do that, okay? But anyway, there are people who dance and who dance well, and that's okay. Um, but all three of those working together—let's say you're—you let's say this is what I do like. I like working with my hands. Okay. Don't get an opportunity to do it like I used to, but I like working with my hands. And if it's something, especially if it's something that I can do halfway decent, I like doing it. And it's the concert of my body working together. Um, that the brain and the, the brain alone governs every one of those movements so that my right hand is working in coordination with my left hand. If I'm, if I'm, hanging drywall I've already got a nail ready to go and I hit it with this hammer and I drive it with this hammer and I'm digging for another nail so I don't have to stop ever and um to me I love that part of it, it the three parts of my brain are one they're one they have the same purpose the same goal in mind and they work together Romans 15:6 that you may be that you may with one mind so think about the work of the entire body of Christ. Not just a local body, but the entire body of Christ. People working together. And who's controlling them? They're not controlling themselves. I guarantee you, not one moment of all of the, the true Christian church Not one moment has ever been without the direction of the head, which is Christ, the Word, the Father, the Holy Ghost. Those three working together to make the body of Christ, the entire body of believers, past, present, future, Christ has been in charge of all of them because he is part of the God head. Ha! I love it! Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Philippians 2. Fulfill ye my joy that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of... One mind. Now, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Is it possible for us to be of one mind reading two different Bibles? I have, uh, my niece, Christina. This is right up her alley. I bought a, a, An NIV, it's a first edition NIV, it's New Testament only from 1973. And I I got that. It was at a is at a uh like a, a resale shop, and I bought it because um I know that the NIV that's out now is different than what it was then, and I want her to find the discrepancies, the verses that are entirely different. Because if even if you're using, let's say, well, you know, we like the NIV in our church. Which NIV? That is a valid question. One that I will be able, when she's done, I will be able to prove to you that if you say you like the NIV, which NIV do you like? Do you like the 1973 one? The 1981 with the Old Testament in it? Or do you like the 1993 or 4 edition? Do you like the 99 edition? There's five different NIVs, all with different copyrights. You can't be of one mind reading out of two different Bibles or three or four. That crowd that says, well, we get all the translations and we find what God said in all of them. No, you don't. You're getting contradictions. How is it that God speaks in a contradiction and you say, oh, right there in the middle is what he really meant. You can't do that. That would be like Elon Musk grafting part of his brain into yours. First of all, You'd be wanting to go on rocket ships all the time. Secondly, at least part of you would be filthy rich. And part of him would be poor. Okay? Uh, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful and be courteous. So this is all, this all enjoins us. To consider how our mind works. Now that we live in this enlightened age. And when I say enlightened age. I mean with science. When, when Paul and Peter wrote this. They didn't know. They didn't know the different parts of the brain. They didn't know anything like that. We do now. We know how it works. We know what all there is to it. And. um What a world we live in. This is the enlightenment now that we have. We have access to scientific data that our forefathers didn't have. And you would think that with access to this advanced information, there would be more Christianity than there is. There would be more enthusiasm about Christianity by those who hold to it. But... I'm afraid too many people don't read it. They don't know what that enthusiasm is like. So let's look at the four regions of the brain. Four regions. Four for the gospel, right? So, Colossians 1.18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should dwell or should all fullness dwell. So here we have the example. Christ is the head of the body. Uh, he is the beginning. Uh, he's the firstborn from the dead, that's why Christ came who was born in Bethlehem, uh, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Nothing more important than God taking first place in any situation. God must take The first position, first place. So that that he has the preeminence. So why did God put the brain up here where it is? It's in the most high spot of the body. Most high. Uh, So we have the frontal lobe, which controls movement, deals with personality traits, thinking skills, um And it's what makes moral decisions. So we have the frontal lobe, controlling movement, controlling our personality, giving us uh, critical thinking skills. Critical thinking skills. The frontal lobe. Then we have the temporal lobe. Controls hearing reading language skills temporal lobe in here language and reading again um you read words in an american newspaper and um this part of the brain does that but you're going to read it to your grandpa who speaks Croatian, not Cro-Magnon, Croatian, and so you have to have a language program in your brain that speaks Croatian and can translate English to Croat and Croat to English, okay? So that's what this is all about. One, two, three, four. The parietal lobe processes sensory input so when I run my fingers across my head that tickles okay everybody do that now blow see if you don't get the willies okay Woo-hoo. that's that's the parietal lobe processes all of the inputs um I changed the uh changed the oil on our bus uh yesterday so I'm I'm using a lot of skills that are involved uh putting the oil in, taking the old oil out, don't lose the uh don't lose the oil plug, don't lose that. Pull the um un- unscrew the old oil filter, put the new oil filter on and so my fingers feeling the oil filter in my hands, telling my brain I got the right filter, it's going in this place, and so on. Anyway, the all the motions of what I'm doing is all being processed by that parietal lobe. When I play the piano, and if I can, if I play it without looking at the keys, uh, which in some cases I can do, but not most of them, my, my kudos go out to anybody who is blind who plays the piano because they don't rely upon sight to start hammering those keys. They play, in some cases, in such an amazing way. They play, and it's all done by muscle memory and them knowing exactly exactly where the keys are and where they're going to be. The lower F is going to be in the same place it was, you know, when I could see where the letter F was or the the note F is. So anyway, that's parietal lobe, frontal lobe, temporal lobe. So what do we have? We had frontal lobe, temporal lobe, parietal lobe, smell, touch, and taste. And then the occipital lobe. One, two, three, four. I like it. Processes vision. All the way back here. Back of your brain. All right? Now, the left side. and, And just think about this. You have one, two, three, four. Parts to your brain, just like the gospel, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything about this is going to point us in the direction of the cross. So again, the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body. The right side controls the left side of the body. Um. So and and it's true uh and the and the right eye sees um yeah the it's the the right eye and the the light that comes in the right eye is processed by the left side of the brain what comes in the left eye is processed by the right side of the brain um the command to tell my right arm to go up is coming from which side of my brain? It's my it's my right side. So which side of the brain? The left-hand side of the brain. Because it crosses over, all right? Um, left side controls the right side of the body. The right side controls the left side of the body. Now... Take a look at this picture for a while. Whoever did this was a genius. I love it. I love this, this painting. There's others like it on the internet. I am the left brain. Decisive. Logic. Zeros and ones. I told you. Men paint the inside of a house White. White, and that's it. No colors, just white. Um, yeah. But we like our zeros and our ones. We like simple things. We like to be accurate. Um, about how many feet is that, Mike? Oh, I'd say it's about 10 feet. Honey, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. 50 or 60 feet? No. It's about 10 feet. Analytic. Deals with reasoning. Practical. Strategic. Control. Science. Realistic. Okay? That is this half of the brain. All of this right here. Now, and it's the male, it's Adam, okay? The right brain, notice that it's got wavy, colorful lines coming out from it. Ooh, pretty. That's part of, if, what were the the two pillars in Solomon's temple, Jacob and Boaz. One of them was strength. The other one was beauty. So think about it. The man being masculine, wanting to be as masculine as masculine can be, he is Mr. Man. Okay? Um, that's one aspect. Of the temple that of of what that temple or that uh, pillar represents the other one is beauty beauty so while the temple was strong in its building it was also beautiful in its structure okay and uh, I like it where Jesus said to him that overcomes will I give to be a pillar in the temple of my God Whew, I like that idea anyway so the right brain uh, love 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 thou art poetry freedom passion vivid creative yearning peace yeah on and on and on now again This is the feminine part, the right brain. This is the masculine part. Does God make both sides equals? No. He doesn't. They're joined together by the corpus callosum, which means that Now, the, um, the right brain can communicate its thoughts, its pictures, its emblems, its shapes, what, um, just things like that. It transfers that to the left side of the brain, so the left side of the brain can take into consideration what the right brain has just told them of. Um, trying to trying to remember how I was going to portray it. Um, well, like this. So I'm reading. Let's see here. This morning I was reading um, from the Book of Joshua. And um, I noticed that uh, when Joshua. When in um, when the priests went into the river Jordan, and the river Jordan stopped, and they and the the where the priests were standing there at the bank of the river Jordan, the, the river Jordan had dried up and allowed the Israelites to cross. and And of course, Joshua said, "See what our fathers did." Uh, in leaving Egypt and coming into the wilderness, they went through dry ground, through the Red Sea. This is what your father's doing with you so that you know that he is treating you, uh, actually, you know, pretty good and actually better than he treated your fathers. You're getting now to live into his eternal promised land. Here's the land right here. We're going to take it. And he said, I want all, I want one man from every tribe 12 in total, I want one man to get a big stone out of the bottom of the Jordan River where it dried up. I want you to get 12 stones. I want you to carry them up overall to the bank. And I want you to stack them up and make a big pillar out of them. And when anybody for the next 2,000 years asked, daddy, what is that pillar of stones there for? Son, that's the stones that came out of the bottom of the river Jordan when it was, when it was backed up in those days. So as I'm telling you this story, let's say you were reading it in the text, your left brain is, um, you're looking at the characters on the page, the letters. and Because you've learned these letters, you know exactly what they mean when they're grouped together in words. And so the left brain is processing all of that. It's helping you understand and decode the letters on the page, forming a proper syntax that your brain can understand as language. But that's not all. There's more. The right side of your brain, it loves to draw pictures. And when you're reading something in your Bible, you're reading, you know, whatever it is, for school or for work or what, your right brain is helping your left brain By giving it something that it's really deficient in. And that is, well, number one, love. But it's giving it this, these pictures that it draws of what the mind has decoded of the, of the words, the language, the story and so on without the right brain. It would be, I would say probably impossible to understand what God is saying in his word. We need that right side working. Now, what happens? What happens when instead of the right side being submissive to the dominant left Hemisphere of the brain. What if the right half of the brain became dominant and it forced the left brain into submission to her? And when it comes to her, fill in the blanks. You can make her. Into a lot of people. Her ministry, her books, her uh, speaking engagements, and so on. Let's say the her is, oh, I don't know, Joyce Myers. So instead of the left brain reading the Bible and leaving it intact, leaving it alone. If the right brain is in charge, you will read the same passages of Scripture that we've read. And you will, because your right brain, your right hemisphere is in charge, you will basically bend And reshape and remold everything that used to be true now isn't. Now the right brain is going to make it completely different and make a completely different story out of it. There was, um, there was some, um, children's class Literature, I don't, I don't remember if it was Sunday school literature or like vacation Bible school literature, but it was put out by David C. Cook about 20 years ago. And I used to have a copy of it. And it said they were dealing with the, how the Israelites were trapped there at the Red Sea and you know god was on the other side there of the red sea and here's the israelites and they can't get across the red sea and pharaoh's army is coming and the the the, the bible the, the material said this how can we get the israelites to meet with god how can we do that and here's what they said they said now close your eyes and imagine you being Moses, or you're going to lead these people to the promised land, but you're praying for God to help you. And you came up with this idea that God would supernaturally um, build a bridge across the Red Sea. And so... You're pleading for God to build a bridge across the Red Sea. And God finally does. And you walk across that bridge safe and sound. And then you find out that bridge was Jesus Christ. Do you know what that story represented? There's been a shift now. In Sunday school literature, vacation Bible school literature... It's all a shift that is ruled over by Mystery Babylon. Because I looked at that story, and I rejected it immediately. Because rather than me having to stop, close my eyes, and they wanted me to do this. They literally wanted the kids to imagine God building a bridge. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God didn't build a bridge. God dried up the water. See, that's the left side, the logical understanding side. Take control over that story and teach me the truth. It's not that I imagine how I want God to save me. It's me accepting the truth of how God does save me. And it makes a difference. So, I've got a um I've got an I've got an audio recording. I found this cassette tape that was sent to me several years ago. And um I think I think uh I think uh, brother Keith and sister Pam might have sent it to me. But anyway, um it was a um a speaker at, with the uh, uh the Nazarene church there was a convention. And they were they were talking at this convention about the new ways and the new things that they're doing and how they're reacting to God in a new way. And this one speaker he was all about intuition, meditation. He basically said in the prayer, God, help us to intuit you and your majesty. Now, intuition is a woman thing. That's what we always ascribe it to women. And I'll say this. It's not just a cliche either. There's been times when my wife, we would meet somebody or whatever. I, I remember first time we met Stan Johnson, the Prophecy Club. My wife, when we got back to the hotel, she said, "Don't trust him." So what are you talking about? I don't like him. There's something ain't right about him. Don't trust him, Mike. Don't fall for it. Lisa, I need evidence. I need proof. And that's the way I was. I was like, "You don't know what you're talking about." Okay. You know what? There was no doubt that God was moving her to tell me to watch out. I should have listened to her. Because she was right. She was right. She felt, but see, she didn't just say, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to have anything to do with that man. Boom, let's get out of here. She didn't do that. She told me what she thought, she let it go. And God then sh- began to show me over the years what was going on. But anyway, they were, they were all about intuiting God, feeling God, imagining God. What is that, that big number one contemporary Christian song that they made the movie about? I can only what? I can only imagine. And is that true? Can we only intuit what heaven's like? Can we only imagine what heaven's like? Can our, Is our right brain the one in charge when it comes to what heaven's going to be like? No. We have a perfect description of heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, new Jerusalem. We have a perfect description in our Bibles. And we can read this, and boy, does our the right side of our brain have a, have a lot of things now that it can work with to give us a picture of what heaven's going to be like. And it's going to be magnificent. But the idea is, is that the left brain has to be in charge. When guys first started taking LSD, what happened? They were jumping off buildings jumping off bridges. Why? Because the LSD shut down the logic, analytic, reasoning, left brain, and people would climb buildings and say, I can fly. They were jumping off buildings. They were, you name it, jumping off bridges. They believed that they could fly. And the reason was, was they had used LSD to shut down the part of the brain that would have taken over and said, uh, you dummy, what are you fixing to do? You kill yourself? You can't fly. And by the way, that ground, what is it? What are we, six stories up? You can't jump off this building, you'll die. But that's what LSD does. It opens up the right brain. So, here's how to look at it: male, left side, dominant logic, black and white. Things are right or it, things are either black or they're white. Yes, it's yes or it's no. But it's not. I don't know. Okay, you do too. Know you just don't want to say it. Uh. Facts only. Jack Webb. Fact, just the facts, ma'am. Decisive. It's the source of truth. By the way, when you are telling someone an answer that is truthful, in many cases, it's not perfect, but in many cases, if that person is not, is not aware of what they're doing, they will, they will, they will reveal to you if they're lying or not. You ask somebody um a, a, a simple question about what your name is or whatever, and if they're telling the truth, they're generally they'll look up and what that's a sign of is they're gonna they're looking through uh file folders, they're looking in drawers. Trying to find the answer. Okay. Ah, we got the H's. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Bill Hoggard. No, Matthew Hoggard. No, Mike Hoggard. Okay. We got several Mike Hoggards. How about Michael Wayne Hoggard? Uh, Hillsborough, Missouri. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's what the left brain is doing. When you're going to lie, you first must draw a picture in your mind Of what you're going to lie about. You have to. And so. Generally when somebody is going to lie. They will look down. To the left. Because the right side of their brain. Is trying to draw a picture. And get away with something. So. That's what they do. They lie. And in lying, they're drawing a picture. And so they will look down and to the the left. And that's generally, not always, but generally an indication that somebody's lying to you. I I love this. I, I love it that God made us this way. And see here, the bridge? Right here? The bridge is your corpus callosum. It allows the transference of ideas and feelings and so on to be analyzed by the guys in the cubicles and so on. The guys in the cubicles sending over here for uh, a better answer, a better way to say it. And the right brain says, yeah, you just got no imagination whatsoever. We'll do it. We'll fix this up. We'll dress it up real nice and pretty. It's female. It is subservient. It is based on intuition, uh, colors. Uh, It's the idea of maybe instead of yes or no. Um, Imaginations. What does the Bible say about that? In Genesis eleven, what was it that got the world in trouble? Um, and the Lord said, Behold the people is one and they all have one language, and this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from heaven. Uh, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Is because they imagined what they imagined to do, they'll do. And we're there now. What What mankind is imagining to do, we're doing it and who is who is feeding that the the uh the science fiction writers the people who write science fiction whether it's ray bradbury or philip k dick or uh, any of the others uh, um um arthur c clark um or uh, isaac asimov or whatever They're the ones who are envisioning what could be. And lo and behold, before too long, you've got a lab somewhere that is doing exactly what the science fiction writers predicted. Exactly that. Uh, That's the world we live in right now. So God says... God says, imaginations. Second Corinthians 10, cast, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience. But it says casting down imaginations. Okay, think of Jezebel. Okay, think of Jezebel. How did she die? She was cast down because she represented every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And Jehu said, Who's on the Lord's side here? And some eunuchs got together. Eunuchs because they weren't going to be, uh, they weren't going to be turned on by her. And yeah, they're the ones that got rid of her. They cast her down. And she literally, the way the Bible says, she became dung in the field from the dogs that ate her body. All right. I may talk about some more of this uh, on Thor's day. Good to be with you today. Hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy the weather. Um, Fall is just around the corner. A couple days from now, we'll have the autumnal equinox. I love Talking about that too, I may talk about that on Thursday. All right. God bless you. You're the reason why we do what we do. And keep us in your prayers always. Uh, Pray for our Kenya ministries. Pray that God will continue to provide for the people there and that we will always be able to respond to the needs that they have out there. If I had if if I won. I think one of these lotteries now is up to like $700 million. I'm not kidding you. If I, if, if somebody won that lottery and send it to our church, we would, we would feed a lot of people with that. And I'm, I'm being dead honest. That's exactly what I would do with it. Okay. But, Nobody plays that that I know, so we'll just keep relying on the Lord to help us, all right? God bless you. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow night for midweek service.